Welcome to Strung Out, the podcast that looks at life through the lens of an artist. Your host is the artist, writer, and musician, Martin Lawrence McCormack. Now here's Marty. Glad to have you with us on Strung Out. I have a regular guest on this program. It's Pastor Drew Jakes of St. David's Presbyterian Church in Campbellville, Ontario. Great to have you on this podcast. You sent me a while back a very interesting diagram of uh, a scale of capitalism. So uh, give us a little background about this. The fellow's name was Nikolai Kondratif. Hmm. I think he was an economist and an academic. And in the 30s, he figured out the fluctuations of modern economies, how capitalism works, and works successfully. Stalin didn't want to hear that. Stalin put him in a gulag in Siberia and eventually had him executed in uh, 1938. And and what Contradith did was he mapped out the waves of economy. Boom and bust is the short term. He was actually poetic insofar as each wave has four aspects to it. Spring, summer, winter, and fall. So it's a cycle. Not unlike the cycles of the planet of, of the Earth. And the first wave ran from, in his mind, ran from about 1780 to 1830 with the steam engine, the technology of the steam engine, which really started things going. And then as the steam engine thing grew, the next, the second wave runs from 1830 to 1880, which is railways and steel. And there was a fellow, I think his name was J.P. Morgan. <laughs> and it was railways and steel that got that one percent going. Hi, Annie. <laughs> and then, and there was a and there was a long depression between 1873 and 1879. So, 1873. That's when's that? that's eight years after the end of the Civil War. Major depression because the war just collapsed everybody's. And then the third wave. Starts about 1880, and I, I could argue that a lot of it started in, in Buffalo and Niagara Falls. Buffalo was the first electrified city, okay? So the next wave, electrification and chemicals, right? So you got the electric, Thomas Edison mm -hmm. and petrochemical development, and that wave ran from about 1880 to 1930, the Great Depression, and so you've had a third wave was electrification and chemicals. And then the fourth wave, according to Contradief, runs from 1930 to 1970, roughly. Again, it's that 50-year, 40-year period. The, the third wave was chemicals, like the development of chemicals and all things. The, the, the next one was petrochemicals and the automobile, right? Drove that wave that came to an end pretty much sometime between 1974 and 1980 with the oil crisis. So he was obviously looking ahead into the future with this model. And I don't know if he used the terms, but he was, he was predicting waves 
and that things would come and go. I don't know that he was the guy who applied petrochemicals to the fourth wave. Talking about this is how it's going to flow. And then the fifth wave runs from 1970 to 2010, roughly, which is the dawn of the internet. I don't know if you remember Alvin Toffler wrote a book, The Third Wave. And that whole book was about the internet that's coming and it's going to change your life and you better get ready for it. But here we are, we're plunging into the metaverse. Are you going to have the first first church on the metaverse? I would probably make some money. The metaverse just horrifies me. Who's the guy who's heading that? Who's the Facebook guy? Zuckerberg. You ever looked at that guy? Oh, yeah. There's there's something wrong with that fellow. Yeah. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it. The notion that you're going to put on glasses and you're going to wander around. That's. Do you ever Star Trek the Borg? Oh, yeah. That's the yeah. Borg, right? And there will never... The problem with that is when you got everybody in glasses and running around in virtual reality, nobody's paying attention to what's going on in the real world. And so right. the Re- the Rebel Alliance today is to to keep your eyes open and connect with other people. I think it was Isaac Asimov wrote a book, a science fiction book back in the '60s. It was a short story, and the story was about the, the lumpen proletariat and you had to pass through a certain set of exams and a certain set of skills in order to get out of the, the shithole you were living in onto the next level. And this kid went for his exam and couldn't f- quite figure out what was going on and actually was allowed to do this, asked for either a book or a technical manual to read to do the old school way of things. And I can't remember the outcome of the, I don't know if he won the contest, but shortly after the contest, as he was leaving, he was taken aside by a whole group of people who were readers and were secretly, so it's Fahrenheit 451. All the mythologies that we grew up with are coming true today. So the next wave starts, the fifth one sort of began with the internet and computer technologies and, and, and all of that stuff. The internet was started in the same weekend as Woodstock in 1968 or 69, whichever it was. The next, the sixth wave, what we're doing right now is the financial crisis in COVID, and, and we're shifting again from whatever that was the last 50 years to something new. And it's going to shift the focus of economic a- activity. There's going to be rising material costs, there's going to be dwindling natural resources, and we're going to have to figure out how to use energy and material material resources in a far more efficient manner. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch of questions. Just first, the first question is: when this guy comes out with these waves, obviously it looks doesn't look that good for capitalism. Why would Stalin have this guy killed? Do you think, or was it just that Stalin was paranoid about uh, anything? I don't have the official answer, Marty, but I suspect what Contradief did was say, here is what works and doesn't work in capitalism, and it survived these waves. And basically, the first bit is a new industry emerge and replaces an old industry. Mm -hmm. And then a new, when the new industry emerges, a new extended economic boom begins. 
and, and equity markets and making money. And then that new system begins to dominate and it affects government and debate and planning. And then new professions and skills appear and then it fades and it diminishes. And the waves aren't just contradict from 1790. I think if you look at human civilization over the period of millennia, the waves have come and the waves have gone. If we had a time machine and flew back over the last 2,000 years and looked down, we would see on occasion a Greenland, not Greenland, pastures and bucolic settings. We would also see glacial times when things are frozen. And we would also occasionally fly over a great chasm. And you just picture, I've never been there, but if you picture the Grand Canyon or there's a place on the, the, the Beartooth Highway, runs back and forth between Montana and Wyoming, about the middle of that, here in Wyoming, because there's guardrails, there's no guardrails in Montana. And there's one section there where you're up, it's got to be 8,000 feet down into a hole. I don't know if you, you know where I'm talking about, but it's just like, oh my God. And you and I are living through a chasm time in so far that the world that we grew up in with the music and the 60s and everything isn't there anymore. And the, the new world isn't here. We've got one foot in the past. We're trying to figure out where's the... Where's, do you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Mm-hmm. Search for the, the the Holy Grail. There's a scene where the Harris... What was Harrison Ford's character's name? Indiana Jones. He's standing on the edge of the precipice. And he can see the cup on the other side. But it's too far to jump. And you can't figure out how the hell am I going to get across this. And he, if you remember this, he grabs some sand. And he throws it across the chasm and some falls down and it disappears but some lands on a gangplank a boardwalk that you couldn't see because it was painted to look like the wall on the other side and he walks across and he gets the cup we're, we're like indiana jones on this side of the chasm trying to figure out so we're looking at the stock markets these days and things are it's been choppy the last year and the whole idea of unfettered never-ending five percent growth is that sustainable Capitalistic markets usually have a correction. The boom and bust cycle certainly does exist. And and right now, because of COVID, we could argue 2008 with the recession, the Great Recession was a correction. And then COVID has come out. But what, what makes me curious about this is he's certainly talking about capitalism, the economic thing. And two questions come to mind. First of all, is there such a cycle in the moral aspect of humanity? Do we go through a cycle of, of enlightenment followed by a crash of darkness? Are we in our a mini dark ages? That's my first question. And the second question is, are we forever basically tied, if we're going to embrace a capitalistic system, basically whatever money there is we're tied to it it's just it's that's a finite resource money so it's really just how it's this how it's distributed so let's start at the back end and work our ways to the start (laughs) okay there's a thing called the one percent one percent of the population one percent or less of the population on this planet controls 99 percent of the money 
and that 1% flex their financial muscles by popping themselves into space for 30 seconds. We have a Canadian astronaut up here, Roberta Bondar. She was, I think, the first Canadian female astronaut. And she had, they were asking her about this. And she said, I can't, it's just, it's the stupidity of, of spending all this money to go into space for 30 seconds and spending your 30 seconds looking at Smarties float around inside the capsule rather than looking out the window at the planet. Those rocket launches could feed all the starving kids on the face of the earth for a year. And there's an inequity. And as soon as, if I start talking about, what's the word I'm looking monetary distribution, I get stamped with a socialist communist. But there are ways around that, correct? If we were to embrace the idea of a living wage, perhaps, as an experiment. But ultimately, I, what I hear from Contradif and what I hear you saying is that we're trapped in a cycle. Now, we can try to, we can try to adjust that cycle, but there's really no escaping if we're going to continue to embrace a capitalist, economically driven, everything's driven by money. And it's taken over. And it controls people's thinking. And we've lost sight of a few things. I'm just trying to formulate this correctly. It boils down to this. The consumer is get as many chips in your mouth as you can and to hell with everybody else. And when COVID, the joke in Canada was when COVID hit, all the major stores, Costco, whoever, ran out of toilet paper. Everybody ran and bought toilet paper. Okay, there's a mindset there, and there's something there that's a little piece of the puzzle, and we're going to have to examine it someday. But when crisis hits, there's this notion, well, we're all going to get along and be polite and share and take care of each other. No. Every man for himself. And as much as the system cycles, there's a need, there's a need to reset all of our humanity and realize that we're here for a limited time. We're still young enough to not think you're going to die. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think that COVID has, has changed that dynamic. I don't think just it has. Expound on that. I'm curious. Why? Yeah, I just, you hear people, I just want everything to get back to normal. Well, we're not going back to normal the way. Just look at the inflation rate. Look at the shortage of materials. Look at the... I, I bought a... The first year of COVID, I had a Kia Soul. And I was spending, because gas was really cheap during the first half of the, the pandemic. And I was spending like 40 bucks to fill the tank. And that would last me a couple of weeks. And then last spring, it crossed $75 a tank. And I thought, okay, this is... And so I went and I, I found a 2020 Nero, which is a hybrid. And I run 3.9 to 4.2 per 100. And it had been sitting on the deer a lot for a year and a half. Because they brought it in just before COVID hit, and then it didn't sell it. Sat, and they couldn't sell it as new. They couldn't sell it as a demo. They had to sell it as used, which saved me a pile of taxes. And uh, I've now I put twenty thousand kilometers, and I've had five letters from four Kia dealerships offering me cash for what I paid for it. Yeah, shortage. And so there's that notion that you change your car every year or every couple of years. It's not going to happen. Let's take a little break and we're talk about the cyclical nature of the economy and it affects us emotionally, morally, the crossroads of all these, these cycles. You're on Strung Out. 
Go to martinmccormack.com and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get the latest blog from Marty, information about upcoming podcasts, and what's happening in the gallery. That's martinmccormack.com. We're back, and 
I want to pick up where we left off because we're going through a lot of stuff here. Yes, we left off talking about the, you were talking about, first of all, getting a good deal on a hybrid car, which congratulations. <laughs> but I think that parlays into what we're, we're discussing here. And that is that you said there's going to be no going back to this idea of normal. And the notion of normal, I think, is a fantasy that that people have created for themselves. And I extrapolate on that. I take it all the way back to this whole idea that, at least in the United States, with the, uh, the election of Donald Trump, there was a lot of people that were nostalgic for what was normal, what they considered normal, which was this fairy tale idea of people having safe neighborhoods, good jobs, everybody had a home, there was a chicken in every pot, that this thing kind of, that there was this kind of, I don't know if you have the Andy Griffith show up in Canada, but Mayberry, this Mm -hmm. idea that everything, and it played right along the racial lines and such. Now we've been slapped upside the head several times not only with the pandemic, but now with inflation. And as we do this podcast, we're talking about the possibility of uh, a limited or maybe an extended land war in Europe. There's a lot of stuff going on here. And my question to you, does it go, where does the spirit of people form in relationship to the struggle that is given with these cycles, because we are in a bust period right now. Change is normal. Change is a part of life. Nobody likes change. Speaking of when Mayberry, I, I was six when that was on the TV, black and white. And your little brother was the remote control. Dave, change the channel. <laughs> right. And and in that world, Sunday night, uh, you had the Jackie Gleason show followed by Ed Sullivan, followed by Bonanza. I wasn't allowed to watch Bonanza because it was too violent. I'm laughing, but I get it. And in that world, our telephones were attached to the kitchen wall, not our hips. And the broadcast media that had controlled you as to when, if you wanted to watch Batman, it was Wednesday and Thursday night, seven. It wasn't just sit down, flip on YouTube and watch it. That's, there's stuff that has gone and gone away. But at the heart of it, and where the challenge is, my, our generation was really the, the boomers, the first generation to wholesale leave the church, the institutional church. I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. Fair enough. But you got a soul and you got a spirit and you got to work on it. Oh, I'll do that next Tuesday. See, the commodification of <clears throat> spirituality in the end killed it, the institutions. <laughs> and until we get to the point where we realize we are spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a spiritual experience, right? We need to, and this is from a guy named Ram Da or something. He says, in the end, uh, we're all just walking each other home. And you got, what's really important is you get to see the North Star. 
you get to figure out why the hell that thing has got eight legs and eight eyes. You get to have sex. You get to have fun. Oh, but I, I don't have a Ferrari. <laughs> you have life. And your goal is to live life to its fullest. And it's, it's not by consuming. Mm-hmm. And it, it's about letting go and getting light. It's not about acquiring. And the battle is between those who just want to acquire and amass and accumulate and those who say, no, I got enough. I want to jump in here because you said something that is with the boomer generation. And uh, we're still, as part of this generation, we still have a say in the way the affairs of the world. I think that idea, nobody's going to tell me what to do, is what we have heard over and over again lately within the last eight years, but amplified to such a level that now is normal, that the idea that nobody's going to tell me what to do. So have we seen the bust of community and in our pursuit for money, uh, a capitalistic society, are, are we further ruining community when we come up with ideas like the metaverse? The idea that, hey, you can go to a concert wherever you want to, wherever in the world, but you're really not there but you are, but nobody's going to tell you what you have to do. You, you, There are no rules in the metaverse. There's no rules now, right now. That's what people are going after is this idea that you're not going to tell me what to do. Society can't tell me what to do. The government can't tell me what to do. Who can tell people what to do anymore? Where is the moral wow. authority? It has to begin in you, and I would argue that there are rules in the metaverse. When the grid goes down and your goggles go black, <laughs> there's a rule <laughs> that you're going to abide by. And I think with all the electronic stuff and all of that you're talking about, do you remember the blackout in the early 2000s, Eastern North America? Right. The grid goes down, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people running around because they don't know what to do with themselves. Because even though you can't tell me what to do, you're playing by certain rules. And those certain rules are you have something in your bank account, you have a debit card, mm -hmm. you have a tank full of gas, and all those, all the assumptions can be taken away in a heart blink. Mm -hmm. And you got a problem. And, and just what's important, so where I'm getting with this is the future... It's not the widget that's going to be important or the washing machine or this whatever. The most important thing that's always been the most important thing is the human capital. It's people. And I hate the term human resources because it's actually a very underhanded and undermining term. It's the resources bit is I, I had to work part-time at Home Depot selling paint. I love selling paint and talking with people. Uh, I didn't care for the organization because in that organization, what resources means is we'll give you the job. You'll do what we want you, ask you to do. And if you don't like it, you can go and there's 700 people lined up behind you. So the human, we have to recapture the human. Okay. The interaction and the eyeball to eyeball and the laughter. You, you drive around the world today. Do you see many smiling faces? And there's a lot of anger out there. And, and so first and foremost, 
it's a need to value human beings. And, and it's going to be more about meeting the needs of the people. Right? If somebody, the, the story is like, like, my mom's sick and I got to leave work. Well, you can't leave work. You don't have any holidays. Versus, yeah, okay, that's fine. Go. You have to take care of whoever. So we need to figure out how to build a vision and a way of living that motivates people over profit for shareholders. I want you to hold that thought because we're going to follow it up on the backside of our final segment of the podcast. You're on Strung Out. The bridges, they are burning. There's no turning back. We've made this pact together. I see it in your eyes. Our destiny's decided. Our plans yet complete. Even when I falter, you take my hand and rise. You, I can face the danger with you. Darkness never triumphs with you. Journey with you. Wishes are on fire, 
everyone. Holly Chase here from Marty Fine Art. Have you visited Marty's website lately? I encourage you to check it out. We've added a new section for greeting cards featuring eight of Marty's original artworks, including his latest painting, One-Eyed Wolf. And did you know you receive a 20% off discount when you join the email list? Sign up today at martinmccormick.com and you'll receive a code for 20% off your first order. Shop for fine art prints, t-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs, greeting cards, and so much more. Apply your code in the shopping cart and enjoy your 20% off discount courtesy of martinmccormick.com. Thanks for listening and happy shopping. We're back with Pastor Drew Jake. You were talking about human resources and yeah, I hate the term human resources. However, I do think that you are touching on something that's essential when it comes to this idea of boom and bust. And it's not idea, it's played out. And Contradith was onto something. And the idea of humanity being the greatest natural resource, that's something we haven't yet gotten to yet. We haven't embraced that as a capitalistic society. We look at humanity as an expendable resource, like you said, with the Home Depot illustration. But it plays into so many things when you think about it. We have, if we look at humanity as the most important thing, human beings, human life, human freedom, everything else is secondary to it. Let's expound upon that a little bit from your experience there in Campbellville as a pastor of your flock, how do you make that happen in a world that is screaming at you not to make that happen? Because it's better to make money. And in order to make money, you have to accept the fact that somebody is going to not have something so you can have something. Um, How's that for a curveball? Or just throwing a big one at you? You can do better, Marty. (laughs) (laughs) i'll try next time i talk to you but one of the key things when someone throws you a curveball is to know how to duck and let it go by so first and foremost this is a big issue because we're 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 dealing with this just in the recent news when we've recorded this podcast we just dealt with the aftermath of the whole maga people up in in ottawa We have all this stuff going on in the States right now with the revelations coming to light about just all the improprieties that went on in in the last administration. Every time we have people that talk about the idea of trying to establish a living wage or something trying to uplift humanity, we have a very vocal group in the United States that says, no way whatsoever. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. It's my money. It's my freedom. We're up against this right now. How do you fight that? You don't. But in the meantime, you have to do what you can to be supportive and loving of the people who are around you and to lend a hand and to not react with anger, which the initial gut reaction is, but that the founder said, nah, don't go down that path. Try to figure out 
how to turn to share and be kind to the people who don't like you. That's the revolution in there. And it needs to, we need to get to the point where people are valued for people and that everybody's seen as a unique create in the, the old Testament is a battle between two forces. The one force comes from the from Moses and the Levitical tr tradition. And the other is from Abraham and the difference between the two and if, and in the Moses Levitical tradition, the bottom line is I will be your God. If you do this. Okay. If you lead this way. And a lot of those rules were about maintaining the tribe and keeping it alive. And so you get laws that, that clearly tell you where you should be putting your sperm in order to maintain the tribe in the Abrahamic tradition. It's I will be your God. So you can be a blessing to others, right? Our calling in life is we all have gifts and skills. We're supposed to open our hearts, shut the monkey brain up, live on a higher plane and be human. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to get anywhere, we're going to have to drop the whole notion of gender and race. It's just that simple, right? Because those are filters. And that's what we're up against right now, isn't and it? And there are those who really enjoy being racist or sexist or misogynistic or whatever. And that's an aberration of the human spirit. Is it then, Pastor Drew, that we are feeling this intensity because we are on this bust cycle and when we're in a bust cycle economically the the lack of tolerance gets amplified why is that that's, that's just uh, i think it's human nature everybody wants to survive and we've been taught a certain survival method you have air conditioned f150 that can pull your boat does everybody get the air conditioned f150 no and so that that brings us back to the whole human reserve we need to figure out a way to motivate people to care for people we need to figure out a way to align align business ends with social ends if that makes any sense you can be there are the hardcores who do just after the bottom line but as we move forward and i invest and i work with people i'm looking for companies that are paying back or paying forward or doing good things instead of just the bottom line and killing the planet. So that's aligning business ends of social ends. And then <clears throat> we need to figure out how to have con continuous learning and, and sharing. And we have to tear down the silos. If you know what I mean by that, I mean, there's, this business here and that business there and there's the corporate execs up there and there's the mailroom boys down here and all those divisions mm -hmm. um, it shouldn't matter whether and and the ladder the notion that you're going to climb to the top and as a musician the myth we were sold was you can do it. your goal is to find a job where you don't have to work basically be a musician i think randy bachman wrote a song about that they call taking care of business. And the truth is, and this is from a buddy of mine. Somebody once said, oh, I see you're a musician. 
Chuck, he had his guitar case or whatever, and, and, and the guy said, what a wonderful life of freedom that must be. <laughs> said, no, I have a contract. It's basically a living purgatory. Yeah. Right? And the, the idea that you're going to be the best at what you do and climb your way to the top to get the star and be adored, they never tell you that... <clears throat> All the while you're climbing, there's a hundred people behind you chomping at your heels, waiting for the opportunity to push you off the top because the top's a cliff. And so we need to figure out how to align. So that when people run businesses and do things, they're also thinking about their impact on the planet. And they're also thinking about how can I help other people? And then the tearing down of silos, the, the things that the tools that, that cause us to differentiate from people that's got to go away you know mm -hmm. i don't care what color you are i don't care if you're male or female be nice and if you need a hand i'll give you a hand and if you're sad i'll cry with you and if you're happy i'll laugh with you i want to have you wrap this all up with a nice little bow if possible and it's with this question do you think then when we come out of this cycle, which inevitably we will one way or the other, do you think we're on the verge <clears throat> of new enlightenment in regards to humanity? Or do you think we're going to continue along the same path? What sayest thou in your wisdom? You made Lisa laugh. <laughs> you want to get in on this? No, that's okay. You sure? <laughs> People don't change without hurt. People don't change without crisis. The COVID pandemic is fading. But there hasn't been enough change that I see. Everybody's pushing just to go back to normal. I want to party. I want to go to the Jays game. I think climate change is real. California is burning up. It's not the vegetable garden of America anymore. Food prices are going to go up. And everybody's going to have to do some real soul searching about how they live. And there will be many things that will force people to give things up. We're in a position, Lisa and I, we're priced out of home ownership. We're okay with that. And we figured out a way to cope. But buying a house here is just no longer in the works. What whatsoever and we're lucky in that we got a you know, roof over our head a place we like it's a little small but we're safe and we can afford to put food on the table we can travel if we want to but gas hit 169 a liter so take a buck 50 times four what's that that's six bucks a gallon yeah we're not that far behind you on the one hand those are the discouragements. But on the other hand, the encouragers are, there are good people. And there are people you can work with. And there are people who need your help. And if you focus on that, rather than getting to the top of the heap, or having the biggest bank account, or whatever, what's your priority? And, and everybody's going to have to make that decision. And there will be those who won't. They're failing to recognize the truth. Uh, we're all just walking each other home and there's going to come a time when each of us is off planet. So make Look, your time on the planet. 
let's leave it at that, Pastor Drew Jake. Always great talking to you, uh, Pastor Drew, and your insights are just fantastic. I want to thank you all for listening to Strung Out, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening. For more information about this show or a transcript, visit martinmccormack.com. While there, sign up for our newsletter. See you next time on Strung Out. It's all so wrong, it's pain we feel, makes no sense at all. A swan song wasn't part of the deal, was no good call. Giving out choice, giving out steps.